Hey folks, welcome to Pro Football Ireland from Radio Row in Las Vegas, Nevada, from the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in the States, lads. Some people haven't been to America, but they've been in some states. We're in America right now, presented by AW Sport, the official betting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Not too long after opening night, Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, Jason Hayes, Mark. How are you? Yeah, no, opening night was a lot of fun. The content is out there now. Uh, some massive names, especially by yourself. To be talking to Clark Hunt, we're going to be talking about, about him on the podcast today. So it's uh, it's mad to make these guys a reality, you know. They're they're living, breathing human beings at the end of the day. Just like ourselves. Um, Jason, I was going to call you Justin there for a second. Jason, how are you getting on? Do you feel homesick yet? Do you miss Cork? How are you finding Jason, it? I hope so not, Jason. Right. By the way, I, I love you. I'm literally just tweeting this out to the masses. So I, I am listening. How are you getting on? I'm fantastic, yeah. Oh, like, it's crazy the turnaround between these days. That yesterday felt like the longest day ever, in a good way. Like, just getting so much done. It's, it's hard to believe some of the stuff we were doing in the morning was the same day as during opening night. Um, but you think then you're going to be wiped out. But Alarm went off this morning, good to go, back do, on do it. You know what, boys? It's, it's got me more hectic now around I us. Do you know what, boys? I will say, I've been enjoying it up the last couple of days, but I think there was a little bit of something missing. I wasn't able to put a finger You're on right. it. You're right. right. You're right. Here it is. Oh. Here it is. Unreal. And just for today, that could sit in the middle because you've done that. Unreal. I, I, she, yeah. The, anyway. I, I, I want to just apologise I think today has hit a bit different though like we're bumping into people where we might talk about some of them that we've seen yeah. but those celebs we've been talking about have come into town yeah and, we're, yeah and we're going to go like who's the most famous person you spotted so far got to give a shout out to Schefter last night fist bumping yeah Dublin yeah from last week it was a good crack uh, probably Schefter for me I'm trying to think most famous person Do you know what as we think about that because Schefter was on our show the other day it was a nice link uh, we got to mention on the Around the NFL podcast. We did. The Dublin show. Dan Hans. Mark, you've been a fanboy for years. You must mm-hmm. be puzzled with that. I texted someone yesterday saying that was, makes me as happy as anything that I've done in the whole NFL sphere. I'm a massive Just to get a mention on that, uh, if you told me that maybe five years ago, I'd have said there's no way that would be it. But anyway, that was really cool. Who have we seen? Jason, I'm going to maybe get ahead of you before we say this. Seen JJ Watt yesterday. Yeah, it was yeah. just different because I wasn't expecting him. But uh, Bruce Buffer at the uh, he did the did the announcement. The or guy who owns all the suits. Yeah, I wanted to ask him about the suit. He looked like he had a nice one on yesterday. Bruce Buffer, Bruce Buffer, the UFC announcer, called the show yesterday. That was kind of weird. It's time. Don't even try it. Don't even try it. I'm not try it. Can only imagine how much he was paid to say that yesterday. I can only imagine. It was a bit mad. Like we ended up meeting Clark Hunt. And the owner of the Raiders came over as Mark well. Davis Mark Davis as well. It yeah, was a pretty, pretty cool moment in the corner there when they, you know, it was the first time they'd seen each other, obviously, since um, Hunt had been to Vegas. And Mark Davis walks up, says, Welcome to our house, baby, in the most Vegas kind of tone of voice imaginable. He looks very happy cool. to be there, even though he was in his house, technically, in that sense. Stadium, look, we'll get into talking here, but the stadium looks amazing. Uh, thanks to Jason for, high, for getting the high five, me and George Kittle video. Appreciate that, Jason. Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to Justin for all his help yesterday and Berdara for his help last night as well. We really appreciate it, folks. And for everyone that's interacting with us over the last 12 hours, and even when we're sleeping, like you're waking up and you're going, oh my God, it's just, it's mad crack, Mark. How do we go again today? Like, it's just, it's mad. Yeah, let's keep going. A C- couple of great guests today, though. Yeah, we, uh, how do we keep going? Because the life that Mike Smith has given me, former Falcons head coach, we literally, I'm almost late to the podcast because he bumps into us again and he's still organising the drinks that he wants to have in Scotland because <laughs> he's a mad golfer and he wants to see us in Scotland. And he said, and we'll, you'll hear about it later on, his uh, hopes for maybe coming to Ireland. 
Yeah, and we also have a different guy as well, though. Sean Merriman came on as well. Uh, very fun interview. Uh, he's had so much success in the NFL and now in the MMA world with his new uh, new company there. Um, and very fun to talk about. You know, it's such a strong overlap between NFL fans and you know UFC fans. So uh, he talks a bit about that. Um, Former Chargers player for anyone that isn't. His company's called Lightside, but like us tonight after the uh, the media <laughs> party tonight, which is taking place on the pit lane of the Las Vegas Formula One circuit. Sweet. There's no half measures Jesus, in this. Well, there's no half measures here tonight. There's an open <laughs> bar. Anyway, let's get on to the football. Super Bowl Sunday night is the Niners against the Chiefs. Uh, Niners trying to win their first Super Bowl in the Yonks. The Chiefs trying to cement a legacy, to cement a dynasty. And we're going to have a look at the team's DNA. You know, it's, it's a really interesting matchup. And this is Mark. the Chiefs podcast for people that are thinking we'll yes, talk Chiefs 49ers podcast. more tomorrow, but we're going to look a bit more at the Chiefs today. Uh, so, you know, looking at the Chiefs' DNA, it's, it's really interesting because for me, like, when we talked about the Niners history, you know, you think about the, the, the 49er way. And when I do a lot of the stuff around the Steelers, we know that the team strives for excellence, failure's not an option, and the standard is the standard. But, Mark, it seems to me like with the Chiefs and the way that they operate both on and off the field, I feel like, and I don't, really, I don't know if they're ever going to you know, publicly announce this or, you know, interpret it in a certain way, I feel like it's Kansas City against the world. I feel like that is a DNA. Because if you if you think of the way that many people, analysts, fans, the works were talking about this Kansas City team a month and a half ago, not even. Stephen's dead boxing after they got beat. It's all fuel as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, these teams look for fuel like that. Uh, it, we'll get to the Fort Niners tomorrow, but we're seeing them put out it's us against the world and against all odds. It's not against all odds, you know, they're their <laughs> favourite team all year. Uh, but they'll use for, they'll look for any edge to him. We're all well aware of you know this tinder that they're looking for to fuel themselves. We know that. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs know how to win. And I know that's such an obvious statement. But I had to think about it. Like They're in the Super Bowl. How comfortable are you here? Like And they've gone on the road and they've proved a lot of stuff. Were you excited to come to Vegas, Michael? I was absolutely massively excited. Jason, were you able to sleep before coming to Vegas? Are no. those Chiefs players sitting at home and not thinking about it like this is the whole thing people just think they're absolute zombies when you're after getting used to it a bit like you've been here so many times not so many times but relatively speaking next to the 49ers I think that makes a huge difference so that that is part of the DNA is that winning 60 and 0 that's the record if you combine the first and second year players in the playoffs they don't a first or a second year player in the Chiefs has not lost a game so far in the playoffs that's thanks to Chase Sandal of the Athletic not my own staff that's insane because Jason like Feel free to give your opinion as well here. Sean Merriman talking about the fact that this Chiefs team, I think it was Coach Smith as well, sorry, saying that you know, Patrick Mahomes at his age could be a three-time Super Bowl champion. If I'm Tom Brady, I'm starting to sweat a wee bit. No? It's insane. It's an insane pace. Uh, you think it's impossible to, to keep going. We're going to talk about a dynasty talk at the back end of this podcast, actually. But uh, they've certainly just learned how to get it done. I think it's pure experience, just drawing out what Mark said there as well. They've done it so many times before now that it's becoming second nature to them and they just know how to win when it matters, crucially. During the regular season, the Chiefs were 1-4 and four against teams who went on to make the playoffs this year. Obviously now that they were in the playoffs, they're 3-0 and oh, and that's including a rematch against Buffalo who beat them during the regular season. So while they do slip up at times and while it doesn't look like as strong a team as before, when it matters, they know how to get it done, even if it's winning, winning ugly. Yeah, and what's what's most impressive t- to me this year is you know they did have quite a bit of turnover these last couple of years and they've completely restructured how they operate. Twenty-seven percent of their offensive snaps were lost last year. Twenty-five percent on defense. 
they lost both starting offensive tackles. You know, you look at the year before when Tyreek Hill leaves and you think they can't replace him, and that's the headline. They consistently find a way to replace these guys. And these new additions, these rookie additions as well, they slot seamlessly into that culture. We have to say that it is a different way of winning. We have to acknowledge the Steve Spagnuolo elephant in the room that it is the first time that it's not been done on offense. If you look back to when he became part of this team after the 2018 season, that was the AFC Championship game that they lost to the Patriots because the penalty on the fourth down in overtime that allowed the Patriots to get the touchdown. And it was said then if they had an average defense at the time, they would have won a Super Bowl. And they still to this day, Andy Reid was quoted in the last month saying that, that they would have won it if they had Steve Spagnuolo. So we have to say that he himself has been integral to this. He will become the fourth or is it the fifth coordinator to win actually no sorry I will pull up the stat because it's an interesting one mm. he's been a coordinator now for all of these um, he can become the four time Super Bowl winning coordinator he's already tied with a lot of Patriots coordinators but when we talk about like Eric Enemy for years was said how come he can't get a job because it's all on the offense yeah. and now it's like well Steve Sognato is winning on the defense and he's left out again now those players at media row or sorry in the opening night last night were asked about that Steve Spagnuolo now is definitely in line for a head coaching job but the way he has turned this team around he's done it in multiple different ways like you've had your Frank Clarks and your Tyler Matthews coming in and out of the lineups and like they've moved on but for the consistency that he's allowed there and the scheme that he's done this year is massive so that's as much of their DNA this year is that if they were to go behind we've seen with those poor offensive performances sometimes I know I'm going to come back to this later on in the show podcast I don't know what we call it when we're live now I mean, is like, a broadcast it's sort of like it's, it's ever and it's so much more than the podcast but he's their DNA mass, he's yeah. a massive influence and we're not giving him enough credit mate. Uh, I just want to jump on that because you, you've like talk, we'll talk about a bit, a bit about Spags whenever we get past our interview with Coach Smith whenever we look at it in a bit more detail you mentioned there on our Lovely. I have to give both you lads a very public shout out for this. I, I, I'm not going to get in trouble. With this. I mean it. Just the notes, like the, the plans for this week are sensational. And one thing that you've written down publicly is Michael thinks that the Chiefs wouldn't get past the divisional weekend. So, so we talk talked about, about it on our. We talked about a pre-divisional round. Yeah. You said that you didn't see them getting back. So the why of that? Because that's only three weeks ago. Well, I'll tell you why. Like for me, it's this. Like Jason talks about there now about the whole situation of. You know, you get over the line in certain situations. You know, if you lose games, you pick yourself up. They're almost a, bit, a little bit like that Man City-esque where they start the season. They, they win the off like I mean, they win a lot, a lot of games, but they slip up a bit. Now, we've seen performances this year, this, this year from the Chiefs where they've got through. Like that performance in Frankfurt was not great at all. Defensively, great performance. Offensively, it was nowhere. And like, I certainly didn't think. I, I, I guess that probably added to my sort of opinion then, thinking. These lads can't take this. Like, you know, and I thought, to be fair, I thought the same about Buffalo. I thought Miami would go further, and they did, and they didn't. But it shows you sort of the, the leadership and the, the guts that this team has, because frankly, they just do not It's care. pure mentality. Like, cares. It's, it's, after that game in Frankfurt, Peter King had a great uh, little interview with Patrick Mahomes, where Patrick Mahomes promised him that they were going to get it right on offense. Uh, he just said, we're going to fix this. He didn't have a mentality of panicking, didn't press... Um, and they have adapted and they found a way to win. It's by no means the high-flying offense we're used to seeing. But when you believe that much in yourself and you will get it done, like Andy Reid says, if the Chiefs' defense is average, we're going to win Super Bowls. Um, with that type of mentality, you just you have such strong belief in yourself. You're almost willing it into existence as well at the same time. Here's where we now panic. 
for the first time as professionals and we bring <laughs> on the video. Uh, Mark, we haven't got Arthur Smith, we've got Mike Smith, and you know, the first game I went to ever in an NFL game was the Washington Redskins back in the time against the Bengals, but I had tickets for the Lions against the Falcons here before I sold them on, and it's funny that the guy that was the head coach of that team that year yeah. It's going to be chopped, isn't it? Yeah, we got into it a little bit. I mean, you can obviously, but he, he was, I hope comes across, he's really charismatic. It was a, fun, it was a really, guy. really funny. And uh, he was just there, uh, he's really like a granddad, so he was. He, uh, the twinkle in his eye is, he was just there. Uh, I don't know, trouble along with the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The twinkle um, in his eye, I didn't here, think about that, no, Backford. Just while we're, just while we're here, before we hit the, hit the button here, just to let people who are, obviously we're live right now, if people watching us live on YouTube on Dax, get the questions, and we're going to get a few questions at the end. Shout out to, to Rory, to Fred, to Gary, to Aaron, to, to I think I mentioned everybody already. Apologies, but for shout out to everybody watching live, all the comments. We will get back to it, and we will get back to Aaron's comment about who the hell gun cover Kelsey lol. I will get back to that at some point, but for now, we have got Coach Mike Smith on Pro Football Ireland from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Pro Football Ireland. At Super Bowl 58, we're delighted to be joined by a guy that wasn't just the Falcons head coach for a number of years, the winningest coach in Atlanta Falcons franchise history with a 66-46 record, 2008 Associated Press, NFL Coach of the Year, but more importantly, the man himself, Coach Mike Smith. Falchi, as we say in Ireland, welcome. Welcome. I'm glad to be here, guys. Yes. Uh, it's great to have you here. Look, there's actually, there's a, we, we've met a lot of Falcons fans uh, in London mm -hmm. from Ireland. And when they go to games, have you ever had the chance to go to Ireland before or visit the island at all? No, I have not. I have not. Now, I've had an opportunity to play in, in, in London twice. Uh, so, um, and, the, and the fans are, are fantastic. It's a great experience for the players when we go over. Need to get a game in Ireland. Have they talked about doing that? <laughs> Don't no, get no, us there. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, you played in 2014. Since then, were you surprised at the time going over to London to play a game? And are you surprised that you're talking to three Irish lads going out to a podcast to Ireland because the growth has come on that much that there's fans all over the world like that? I'm very, I'm very uh, surprised, but nothing surprises me about the growth of the National Football League. Uh, and everybody that falls in love with football, they stay in love with football. And, and you guys are living proof of that, right? I'm living proof of it. I've done it, you know, for many, many years, and uh, it's just a, it's just a wonderful sport, and it's great that it's becoming a worldwide sport, and it may take over in some at some point in time from your football, right? <laughs> That's that probably is Kane more wild than already go. What is, we've got our own football as well in Ireland. You like football? Yeah, so. Yes, you ha you do. You have your own it's league, with your right? Hand. It's like instead of playing with uh, soccer, you can use your hands, and the goalposts are bigger. They kind of look they're a match between a soccer goalpost and an American football goalpost. And, and how does it intertangle with? Rugby is it? Do you, can you have forward passes in your in yes, your game? Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. So yeah. like Aussie rules. Like I okay. Uh, like I, Aussie I describe rules. it as maybe a cross between soccer and rugby. Would we say that's fair? So we're we're getting <laughs> you over to golf in Ireland, and now we're going to have to add in some Gaelic football. Wait until we get you started on hurling. We actually have a, we actually have a clip on the Oh, no, 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 it, it's too cold to hurl, right? Is it that? Is that yeah, no, no, no. Oh, my God. I'm we're thinking curve, okay. As, go on and ask a question. I will bring yeah, up yeah, some yeah, hurling. Go, so okay. Just, go it's, for it, go. it's not just the, um, the growth of the game internationally, uh, the amount of games that we're seeing that's changed. 
we're also seeing a change in strategy in recent years with the teams going over. So back in the international games that you were a part of, teams often in that era would take a bite straight after the week and recover from the week of travel. Whereas now we're seeing a lot of teams go straight into the next game as soon as they return to America. What do you think? Why has that change occurred? How did you find well, it? Well, I think that the, they, they have done a good job of studying it and uh, making decisions on how they think it's best. I know that when we went and played in London, we flew, <coughs> excuse me, we flew directly from Baltimore. We played a game in Baltimore, and then we flew over and because Baltimore was was a little bit closer and spent the entire week there in London and took and took in the whole week and then came back and I believe this year the Jacksonville Jaguars actually played back-to-back -back games. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the bit in, in the least if at some point in time in the in, in the future there's going to be a division of the National Football League in Europe. It really would not, it would not be a surprise. It's going to be a worldwide sport at some at, at some time where there's going to be franchises. You know, the Jacksonville's franchise is quasi-London's <laughs> franchise, right? And are they looked that way in there in London? They are, but luckily for us, they actually entered the Irish market this year yeah. themselves and yeah. the Steelers because they want to brand themselves specifically towards Ireland. Those two teams have made massive strides, yes. as you say, not just so that their fans are in London, and, but to have a pull from all over but, Europe, yes. which uh, we definitely see that coming on more and more. And to go back to what you're saying there about those decisions, do you know at the time if you found it difficult or easy? We do see this mismatch of some teams are going for a full week, some teams are going for just the weekend. Did you find it easy or difficult at the time? No, I, actually the whole week it, it worked very well for us uh, in terms of the logistics of, of, pra of practice. And uh, I think more and more teams are going are gonna to do, are, are do it and spend the week over there and you know they're doing it now when they go from the east coast to the west coast and they'll put back-to-back -back games you know the if you're an east coast team or a west coast team and you've got two trips in a season you have the option of playing making sure that before that game or after that game there's you're on the east coast so you can stay there so there are some uh rules or, or changes that they will allow for the scheduling and it this is a worldwide sport. I mean, you guys, you guys are, are and, and how many you, people are playing youth football in, in Ireland? There's, yeah, like, especially flag football. We've got yes. our own league as well. We had the European yes. flag football championships in Ireland this year. So it, it's a very good time for growth. I think, and it's a testament and support to the NFL and people like yourself are coming on and speaking to us as well. Yeah, and, and, and flag football is a great, it's a great way to introduce people to the sport of football. Uh, and it's, growing in popularity here in the United States in regards to uh, the girls flag that's going on. I mean, that's a big thing that's going on right now here in the United States and maybe something in, in, in Ireland that may be doing soon. But you, before I get out of here, I've got to get a chance to see this cur curling. Oh, curling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got to see it. curling. If I have a red here. So this is the hurling. If it loves oh, it's hurling. So this is played on a field. It's the size of that's what? Yeah. You got a stick? We have the clubs here going. Yes, you got the, okay, clubs. It's the striking, so you're going over, over the, bar the bar here. Yeah. That's the kind of fielding we're looking at. It, it's <laughs> the weight of a baseball, so catching that thing is not easy. 
And, he's and how hard in. is the ball? Like a baseball. Okay, so it's as hard as a baseball. And if you're hitting a baseball 80 yards and you're trying to, without a mitt, yeah. as you can see there, without the mitt, they're going straight in. And uh, this can tend to happen as we see someone strike across <laughs> the body yeah. with a hurl. It's pretty pretty wild looking, right? Yes, it is. You'll have to get to a game. Player safety, we need to, hey, we need to maybe put these guys in some X-Tech pads. There we yes. Go. Which leads me to, you know, the... The X-Tech shoulder pads that... Uh, Talk to us a bit about that, because I know you're working with Football America UK yeah, as well, yeah? Yes, we we are. And, and X-Tech pads has been around for about 18 years. And player safety is the most, to me, is the most important initiative that we need to be addressing um, at this point in time. And X-Tech pads are the number one pads in professional football. They also have auxiliary pads that they could they could wear. If they change the rules and let these guys wear some padding, <laughs> we could probably get them padded up as well. Uh, but people that are interested that if their child's play, child children play football, it's www.xtechpads.com, awesome. and you can go and you can actually there is an app that will fit you to the. And, and properly fit you into the pad so it can be done remotely. You know, we can do so many things remotely. I never thought we'd be fitting guys in shoulder pads remotely, but we can do it. <laughs> what was That's it? Incredible. What was it from your uh, times as a coach? Was it when guys are getting injured that pushed you on to be involved in this now? Like, obviously, as a coach, you really feel for a guy. But were you seeing, oh, yeah, this kind of technology Yeah, we, we, were, we were seeing a, a, a lot of injuries in in the, in the shoulders and the in the collarbone area, and Bob Broderick, who is the founder, co-founder of, of X Tech Pads, he introduced me to it. Once I saw the technology and the padding that they had, and the way that they had designed their pads, I knew it was going to be life changing. In 13 years, it became the number one pad in professional football. Uh, schools like Auburn, Oklahoma, in college football, but really, we need to be focusing and we will be coming out x-tech will be coming out with a youth pad and mm. we want to protect our youth when they're young so that they'll feel comfortable about playing the game you guys that are playing this uh, have no fear hurling, they have no have <laughs> the, no fear the, the helmets are pretty recent in the last 10 years as well a lot of players wouldn't have even had them before well, is, is that right kind of scary okay to think any of you guys play I, I would have, yeah, I, I would have when I was younger. Yeah. I, yes. I, I don't I cut the grade anymore, but absolutely, I would yeah. have loved playing it. I'm not yeah. very good at playing it, but I still love playing it. You work for Cork, so. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's great to see the strides being made in terms of player safety. Have you noticed any changes in the 10 years since you've been a head coach in terms of the role of a head coach now in the league? Yeah, the, uh, I have. And it's it's really because in the, in the last 10 years, believe it or not, uh, because of technology, the way that young people learn and how they are, are they take in information, it's changed. Ten years ago, we weren't sitting here looking at three different <laughs> uh, three different computers. We weren't looking at a a, a four by two and a half uh, computer that we that we call a phone, and that's how we communicate. And so it's changed. It's changed significantly, and I think that's why you see younger head coaches because they have gone and lived through that in the you know in their young adult lives because it's different in the way that people take in information. You guys probably don't make phone calls; you text. Yeah. Where in my generation, we still make phone calls. So it's just been a completely different way 
of, of uh, communicating for the you know for us as older coaches. Um, you're a Super Bowl champion with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us a bit, a bit about that team, but also, coach, talk to us a bit about the difference in the experience. I mean, this has exploded. This is, I think this is the biggest radio row ever, for example. But you've seen last night opening night just. It, every year goes up a level. It must be very different to what you experienced back in those days. Oh, absolutely. You played in the in the 2000, um, thirteen and it was, I think, 30-34, mm. uh, the 34th Super Bowl in Tampa, Florida, um, which is nothing like uh, Las Vegas, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that when it's done, everybody's going to say that Las Vegas did a great job hosting this event it's set up for a big event and this is a worldwide event you know the most watched event in all of uh you know all all the sports and uh this event here in las vegas i'm sure it will be repeated and it'll be in the it'll be in the rotation it's uh it's unbelievable and as the week goes on as you guys said if this is just your first time being in the super bowl week this is just 10%. They're just getting warmed up. You know, they, it's like probably before a hurling game, I'm sure a few pints are drunk. <laughs> right? As, wow. As you get, you went wrong yes. there. In my case. Yeah, right? Well, as the closer we get, the more the more pints will be drunk. We have a guy who does our podcast who's a big hurler called James Scal. If you come to Ireland, we'll get you on a podcast and you can have a couple of pints as well and talk about her. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, just trying to talk about a couple of different things you brought in a rookie a lot of people know who he is matt ryan yeah what was he like as a rookie well i I tell you what when we drafted him one of the things that i said to the to the uh people on the in the personnel department i said this guy is one tough irishman (laughs) (laughs) that was you know when and i said they looked at me when you i said yeah you know he is tough as nails i mean he was on a Boston College team that he didn't have a great supporting cast, and he took a lot of hits. And you could see his toughness in early on in his career. He did, he was a guy that didn't really understand. Hey, it's okay to just dirt the ball. He held onto the ball a little <laughs> bit too long. He took a lot of. He was a tough one, uh, and has had a great career. And by the way, I think he's doing a great job on CBS. And I think he's actually going to have a role in the in in the pregame awesome. here at uh, at the Super Bowl. Awesome. Yeah. It's um, funny when you look back at Matt Ryan. He goes down with the greats, but maybe in the beginning there is always those media narratives. We see that with Brock Purdy at the moment. He just cannot get that off his shoulders. Do you think that affects players? Do they pay any heed to it? Does it frustrate you that it's even going on? Say with the Matt Ryan or otherwise. Well. <laughs> I've always told guys on our team, you know, it really doesn't matter what's being said outside. It's all about what's going on in our locker room. And it's our culture. We create it. And we need to choose to make a decision about we're not going to let any outside noise affect us as a team and what we have to accomplish. And it, I think that helps with the culture of your team and when you're when you build a, a strong culture that's collaborative, you got a chance to be successful. We're uh, we're going to play a little game to finish off in two seconds, but just just coach generally your thoughts about this game on Sunday. Uh, just a hell of a matchup between the Chiefs and the Niners, huh? I I think it is, and um, you know the the Chiefs have super, their Super Bowl lineage. Uh, you know Patrick Mahomes 
is possibly on his way to winning more than five Super Bowls at, the, at his young age if yeah. they keep playing like they can. But I really believe that the 49ers, they've got something to prove. And I, I really, I got a gut feeling that if, if they don't turn the ball over, they're going to win the football game. Yes, um, th that's my hey. That's my call. Am I going to have to look at this? Yeah, we Mike. Got to see. You want the first person doing this? So. <laughs> first okay. person, no pressure. I'm going to put you on the spot here, but okay. can we ask you to pick a card and answer the question that you're drawing. <laughs> that it's not a magic trick, though, Dory. <laughs> Who wins a tag team wrestling match? The Bowser brothers or the Kelsey brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Who wins? I tell you what. It would be a good WWE match. <laughs> uh, I think that the, uh, the, the the quickness probably between the brothers probably goes to the Bosa brothers. They're probably a, a, a little bit quicker, and I would give the, the strength to the Kelsey brothers. But it'd be a good match. Pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, pay yeah. And, hey, we could get... Uh, uh, What's his, what's a Bruce Buffer? Br no, we could get the girlfriend to be the oh, Taylor. Terrence. Yeah, we could get Taylor to be the <laughs> hey to be the referee, oh, my. right? Coach. I, yeah, and and make her hey and make her call it by and down the line. Let's not let's <laughs> hey let's not let and we that'd be great. Um, I feel like this. I feel like we get a couple of pints, go to a pub and talk about this all day. But for not coach, you're welcome on any time as we say in Ireland. Give me a mugget. Thank you so much. How much after you Appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. Hey, you guys enjoy your week here. Thank you. Yes. Mike Smith, former Falcons head coach. Taylor Swift is a referee. What do you reckon? We did not know what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Are you serious? I did. Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, I got it eventually, but I was like, where's this conversation going? <laughs> there was also his agent who was fantastic. It was clearly, he kind of was looking and being like, is it our fault that we're not getting him out on time? But then it was like, no, Mike, like, really. He gave a passionate response it. to that yeah, answer. Yeah, like, didn't <laughs> want to get off. <laughs> Jesus, boys. I look, like, you have to just appreciate this is bananas, the fact that he sat there chatting about Herman. And I'll say no more. Uh, Chiefs Focus Podcast, if you have any questions, we're live on YouTube. We're also live on X. Just comment. We'll get some questions on the screen at the end. Uh, we'll need to talk to Mark or something at the end as well. I'm talking about, I'm joking. But very, very quickly. <laughs> and it was a Chiefs podcast. That video you don't want. Kittle is 10 out of 10. There's like a split second where you ask him to get us where he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kittle actually was a fantastic, fantastic interview. So it's like he, he did all the heavy lifting, so he did. He, uh, directly after me, he gave his play-by-play -play for WrestleMania this year. So It's so funny, like he was, he was sat next to Nick Bosa, who was kind of a polar opposite of him, to be fair. Like yeah, he's got yeah. a you know, very subdued response, but Kittle was really... Um, We'll give you a, a proper answer, won't I can see that the uh, Northern Tato have made a new appearance on the desk, and we'll leave that and keep going. Uh, this is the Chiefs-oriented podcast, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, in another Super Bowl this Sunday with Patrick Mahomes. And in this segment, we're going to talk about the best and worst that we have seen the Chiefs this season. Um, who wants to go first? Yeah, well, I suppose start, let's start on a negative note because the season started. How <laughs> did you mean to go on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've seen them improve, obviously, in the playoffs, but there were a lot of question marks early in the season. And one game that jumped out to me was, it was a, I think it was Sunday Night Football, it was definitely prime time, um, when they were in New York, early on in the whole Swift era kind of thing, and it was getting a lot of attention as a game. 
they pulled out the win, 23-20 to the Jets, but it was really the the game where I think the question marks about their offense became uh, a lot more, you know, pronounced because. Yeah first few weeks of the season you might cut them some slack you know you're not quite sure what the team is going to look like coming out you think they'll find their rhythm but this was five weeks in uh, they still didn't have it making sloppy mistakes Mahomes had two very poor interceptions in that game they had a 17 point lead and they let the Zach Wilson led Jets to, to come back and tie it and to be honest if the, a few officials decisions didn't go their way down the stretch they, they mightn't have even won that game um, so I think as a low point for the Chiefs that was the first kind of indication that maybe we should panic a bit here about this offense because it's, it's certainly not living up to the previous years Marcus the worst does anyone have the Raiders game I, I have the Raiders game for the worst good because you can touch it then because I actually <laughs> I, I thought that someone else would want to talk about yeah. the Raiders game so I actually took the Chiefs playing the Broncos just as something to talk about because in, in Denver in Denver uh, sorry yeah. in Denver it was the game that they lost that the, uh, the Broncos played shake it off in the stadium afterwards it was the Kansas City oh, sorry Patrick Mahomes get sick game but it was they also turned the ball over a bunch in that game mm. they just couldn't get anything going how much of that was Patrick Mahomes we don't know it did start off three weeks of no scores in the second half which was a bit worrying but I had to I wanted to talk about that game because even when the offense was at its worst which it was in that game the defense still had six sacks the defense still kept them somehow. Like that scoreboard made no sense because the, the Chiefs looked that bad. But I guess it's a tale of the Chiefs' season and what could be the potential for this game on the weekend. But the power of that defense was able to keep them afloat and within a field goal at halftime, even though it made no sense. So I think it's a kind of a best of both worlds in that sense from myself <laughs> and talking about this segment it took out some of the heavy lifting that even at their worst that defence gave them the great job yeah that game in Denver against the Chiefs was interesting Russell Wilson's either final game for Denver an ultimate and going from ta- chatting the boys here they all reckon he's gone shout out to Andrew Mason behind us showed me a Super Bowl 50 ring earlier on I still have that to look at and laugh at uh, talk about the Raiders game it's, it's, it's a weird one because for fans in Ireland especially when you have an NFL game on Christmas Day in the 6 o'clock or 9 o'clock window, you're like, how am I going to get away with this? How am I going to get away with this? How am I going to sit at my in-laws and persuade them to put this game on? How am I going to casually have a game on my phone? The reality is you put them full of alcohol at 2 o'clock and by 5, half 5, oh, jeez, I put that on. How are you getting on with that podcast anyway? So you put it on. I couldn't believe how good they were. Never mind defensively, the offense couldn't get anything working. And for me, it was more, it wasn't systematic plays, it was confidence in the offense. Patrick Mahomes just couldn't seem to get anything together. And the fans turned on them very, they turned on the team in the fourth quarter of that game. It was a worrying time of the season, yeah. right? because that is, you know, crunch time in December where the, the Chiefs are normally so strong. And to have cracks and have a game like that just before the playoffs when important seedings are on the line. Yeah. That's what was, that's what was worrying for me in that one. It, it was just, it was strange, but it's mad, Mark, that we're sitting here four and a half, five weeks later, and it doesn't matter, you know? Like, that's that's the thing that just surprises me more so, and it, it's, it, it almost makes you think, it's like it's a bit like the NBA playoffs now, just get in, get in and you work it out. But that was also the game that they had a fumble return and an interception return 
for this. So it wasn't yeah. like they like when you actually look at it in O'Connell's numbers and that it's like sixty two passing yards, it's yeah. insane. But it's like it was the offense, absolutely. And again, sorry to make the point again, but it's like the defense gives them the right shout, you know, that's the, yeah. and it was that's only a month ago now, but Yeah. Uh best game. Who wants to who wants to go first? Well, it's funny because we were actually discussing this the other day, and he picked this as one of his worst games for for the Chiefs. But um, that Frankfurt game, when they did manage to, to pull out a win against Miami, you know, it was a dodgy second half. Don't get me wrong; they were 20, 21 nil up in the first half. Uh, Miami pulled it back to twenty one fourteen to finish the game. But what I liked about that game is that they, they that was a proper test for the Chiefs' defense, and that's when we knew they were legit. Miami was high flying at that time. They were, uh, they were looking at setting all sorts of records yeah. offensively. It's the lone playoff team that they actually won against during the season as well. So I like that about it. You know, showing that they aren't just knocking off the lesser opponents; that they can actually compete with some of the, the big boys this year. Um, so yeah, Spags particularly, I was impressed with him there. It's the start of the Chiefs kind of leaning into that um, strategy as a team as well. You know, I mentioned a second ago the. Peter King interview where Mahomes promised to get things right and from that week I think they started to embrace a bit more short passing game, quick passes um, and you know they, it carried them through just about to the playoffs and now we're seeing them really excel Yeah and it's, it's one of those things where for me it was the Bills game in the playoffs a game where I thought Buffalo would finally you know, get, get over the line for them and try and get to that point where they sort of took it and just very quickly on spikes you know, the fact that the way that the players talk about him, his leadership and what he's brought into that team from 2017 onwards from where he was in New York to now is, is incredible. And I think it was Mahomes or one of the guys in the defense that said, every week he gets better. He's the best in the game. What he'd done against Buffalo and what he'd done against Baltimore was even better, but the amount of penalties that Buffalo had, the way that they were triggered in certain situations, but the way that the, that the Chiefs just got it done on the road, and everyone was blabbering the whole week, saying that Mahomes has never had that road playoff win. Doesn't matter, they've done it. So who cares this weekend? Doesn't matter playing it in the backyard, Dungannon Park, Kildare, Cork, or Vegas. They're not going to care about that. I think that, for me, that was their biggest win. I think it's bigger than Baltimore. I think Baltimore flew the game two, two weeks ago. Or, well, they're going to get triggered by Chiefs fans now. Mark, we're going to an interview now. Would you like to... Tell us who it is. Sean Merriman, uh, LA Chargers back in 2006 and 2008. He was fantastic for one rookie of the year. Um, did get injured after that. He was with the Bills, did end up getting waived by them. So actually, he touches on that. He didn't, I don't think he ever played a snap for the Bills, maybe, if I'm incorrect there, maybe had a year. A lot but of anyway, injury issues around that time yeah, of his career. He yeah. did get injured. So he's going to talk about the NFL a bit and about how he's involved in a fight promotion. Which is actually interesting. It's not that we had to plug that. We actually asked. Yeah, you know, it actually was a really, really yeah, good chat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here, here's Sean, folks. Hope you enjoy it. Pro Football Ireland from Radio Row. Believe it or not, we're actually in Las Vegas, in case you're wondering. Here we go. Pulling on from Radio Row Super Bowl 58 as we look ahead to the Chiefs and the Niners. We're delighted to have a guy that played for both the Chargers and Bills. Guy heavily involved in different forms of NFL media and more. Sean Marion. Sean, we say Falcha in Ireland. Welcome. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. It's busy here, isn't it? It's uh, it's it's, it's not as crazy yet, right? It'll get down. I'm sure tomorrow will be even bigger. But to to be honest, man, um, you know, just have like all the media outlets, everybody here in one area. You during the year, you get a chance to do a lot of radio stuff, so you get you get a chance to put uh, the face to the voice. 
And uh, it's always it's always a very cool week leading up to the big game. Yeah, don't scare this man. It's his first radio row, and you're gonna be he's worried now because he's busy now. And so, so you guys got you got to tell me that before I come over, so I can yeah, mess it with him. Uh, <laughs> it's something you look forward to every year doing this. Yeah, I think the, you know to have an opportunity to come and talk to you guys, right? And, you know, just just the non-traditional media that we get yeah. a, we get an opportunity to. And you know, obviously the NFL is growing. They got the game coming up in Brazil, right? I think next year uh, the, the Eagles are playing there. Friday night. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Friday, Friday night. night. Friday night. And and they had the game in Germany. So I think the, the the game is just expanding, which is cool. So that when the game is expanding, it gets you um, an opportunity to do cool stuff like this. Have you been to Ireland before? No, but um, I I heard I got family, a lot of family, a lot of Merrymans in Ireland. Hey, my father is from a place in the west of Ireland, and the local pub is called Marymont's. So there's a there's about about five years ago um, on on social media on Twitter, I had uh, some people hit me up from Ireland, and it was a group of like 25 or 30 people all together, and they were all Marymont's. And so I didn't even so I it, no, I'm joking. Not joking it prompted, no, it's just a business. It, it prompted me to do the uh, the 23 and Me thing. Yeah. Was it 23? Oh, yeah. yeah, Irish. Okay, reach out these Merrymans that could be listening. I, Boys, finish live off the show story, with Sean please. in Dublin coming 2026. <laughs> 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 um, well, look at obviously big NFL uh, uh, experience behind you. Obviously, we know you. I, t- I thought that story was going to talk about maybe Chargers fans from Ireland there, but talk about obviously years ago you were, you were with the team, but now they are moving on now with. Harbaugh as their head coach. Yeah. What to make of that for Iron? Uh, it, it's an exciting time, right? Because, you know, one thing you don't want to do is uh, when you got a big name coach come in and just automatically assume that you're going to win a Super Bowl, right? But that's that's not his mentality. If you saw him talking in the press conference, like, hey, we're getting in the gym today, we're working hard, we're starting today, it's more of a um, building blocks, right? Than talking about the big picture Super Bowl. And we, you can't, you know, uh, fight the fact that he's turned programs, organizations around quickly. Just just in his in his past, if you want to talk about his past and his resume, he's turned programs and organizations around immediately with far less talent. In, in charges, they got a lot of talent. But do you think? Mean, um, just, but to harp on about that, like, isn't it the right way to do it? Because Michael yeah. over here is a Broncos fan. We saw when Trump. I'm sorry Payton to hit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Thanks for that, Mark. Quickly, Sean Payton comes in, and we can't start stop talking about how the Chiefs are dead and buried. They'll never be seen again because Payton is there. And now at least, like, you have to have some, you know, temper expectations. You can speak of it, obviously. But I think it is the right approach. And hopefully, like, that's what they need now is someone to steady the ship in a massive way. And they didn't take what comes because the Chargers have been hyped year in and year out. And they just haven't been delivering because of fourth quarter was a lot of the time. You're right, man. And I think, too, um, we're talking about coming in and creating a change. And you got talent already, and they were just underperforming last year. Like they were the the the, the best team that didn't go to the playoffs. It's, it's like almost unimaginable that they didn't, right? With that talented roster they have, and so you got Justin Herbert, who's had four different coordinators in his tenure, right? Since he's been in the league, like I think three different head coaches or whatever it is. So it's it's. I mean, I'm not making an excuse for him at all, but it is hard to have some level of consistency with that many coaches in and out the door and having to learn a new system. So I'm excited just just to the point that there's a new excitement in the fan base, right? That yeah. there wasn't there the last couple of years. So, like, now everybody's so hyped up, so ready to go on Jim Harbaugh, and, and rightfully so because he's walking into a good situation. And you know what it is? We had Tom Telesco on last year, and we talked about the talent could have brought them to Vegas this year, and it didn't happen. So you're dead right in saying that there are to harp on about. There is another team, obviously, that didn't make the... <laughs> Yeah, well, you also had a nice stint with the Buffalo Bills. 
Um, yeah. I want to know about the fans. Is, is the Bills Mafia for real? Oh, it's unreal. It, it's a, you know, I was, um, so I was basically in a way waved, treated there right in the way, and you know, I was waved, but I didn't want to go. Because hmm. you think of Buffalo, the cold, also they're, they're 0-6, 0-7 in the middle of the season. I was like scratching and screaming not to go to Buffalo. Um, and I ended up going and I saw that fan base and I was like, this is unreal. It, you, 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 it's hard to um, explain it because when you go there, you automatically have a family like feeling. When I play for the Chargers and people see me in the street, everybody want pictures and stuff and sign things. You know, Buffalo, somebody walk past you and be like, hey, what's up, Sean? Keep walking. <laughs> You're like, do I, do I know him? Or? But that's just a, it's just a fan base out there. And I, I, I think that not, they may have the best fan base, not only in football, maybe in sports. You've uh, been retired around 12 years, uh, from 2012 to now. The league has changed a lot, especially yeah. internationally. How do you feel like the game of football has evolved since you've retired? Just I, I, the, the quickest answer, they got a lot, a lot softer, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you got to get the old school mentality. got to call them soft, right? But, no, truthfully, I think that, um, first of all, the NFL has done a good job at uh, protecting the guys, right? Helmet-to-helmet contact. There's a lot of new information out there about these head injuries and the problems you could happen down the road. So they did a good job, you know, in helping that out. The second part of that is, is that it's become such a quarterback-friendly and happy league, right? When I played and we were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, they were running the ball 30 times a game. They were just going to pound the ball, run the ball 30 times a game and say, line up and see if you can stop us. And now they're 70-30 to pass the run. So the game has become more quarterback-friendly because they understand that if you got a big-name quarterback that's going a lot of points, People in Ireland are going to watch, right? I mean, it's the truth. It's just yeah. it's, it becomes a global sport because people love the points. They love the excitement of the game. So I think the game has kind of transitioned to that. But football is still physical. Like it, you can't get around going head-to-head up, running full speed into another body, uh, person. You can't, you, you'll never get away with that. But the rules and some of the stuff they've done has helped the, the game change. You say players have perhaps gotten softer these days. Yeah. How do you think they respond to perhaps a former style of coaching? Maybe a Bill Belichick now. Um, Harbaugh, we kind of might fit, fit that bill. Sean Payton. Do you think coaches have had to kind of go softer on the players to match? They, they almost have to, right, in a, in a way. Because certain things, I mean, hell, I remember in training camp, we used to practice twice a day every day. <laughs> now they can't even have two practices back to back. They got to have one practice, two practice, one practice, split it up. We used to go to two practices every day. So now... Um, the game has kind of changed to take care of guys, right? So if I, if I was playing in today's game, I could have played an extra five years because during the season, we were had full, full equipment tackling. I mean, we were hitting during, during the season. And so the game has changed when it comes to that point. But I, I remind you, man, I, that if, if you can't change the feeling of running into a wall, right? I don't care how many rules change. If a, uh, a linebacker and, and a tight end collide or offensive tackle is blocking you and land on you after they block, I mean, you can change as many rules as you want to, but you can't change that part of it. You're once upon a time uh, rookie of the year. Do you just listen to you there? Do you think it'll become more difficult for guys off the edge to win rookie of the year? You're going to want to be intercepting passes because it makes that transition all the more difficult when um, it's, it's, it's favoring the cornerback. No, sacks is still important. <laughs> but do you think it's going to be harder for the rookies to transition yeah. when the rules are going against them and yeah. it's easier in the quarterback? Yeah, there, there's a. Uh, it's almost. Look, you, you still got to go out there and play football, but now you got these targets where you can't hit a guy below the waist in his knees, right? And you can't hit him here above the shoulder pads and up. So how do you go in and get him? And by the way, once you tackle him, you can't land on him because now that's a penalty. And so for, for that point, it would take a little bit of the love and passion out of the game for me 
right? Because I used to love landing on guys and pushing off of them. That was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love. I mean, look, if I get you Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, one of those guys on the ground, I love pushing up off of them. That were, you, were you a big trash talker? Oh, man, that would piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> that would piss them off. Uh, but I, I think that just doing that, for me personally, it would take a little bit of the, the passion and love out of the game because that's that's why I played. That's why I started to play football, watching the Ray Lewis's and Lawrence Taylor, guys who are passionate about playing football. And so when you can't do so many things, it, it, in a sense, it takes a little bit of that away from you. But you know what we're noticing now? The transition for the wide receiver rookies has become so much easier, and they're saying not sent to the college scheme, and it's not. It's also that the rules are changing it, you know? Yeah. It's making the – it's ways to become an offensive rookie of the year that it probably is the – yeah. Irish people – love fight and you know I mean we all know we've had a number of MMA fighters that were through the ranks over the last few years I mean one of our own ended up fighting Floyd Mayweather in this city not that long ago which is unbelievable to think it happened talk to us a bit about Lights Out and what you're doing yeah so Lights Out Extreme fighting uh, we got a huge fight coming up next Friday in Long Beach California we'll be live on Football TV Football Sports but we're about to announce some international play we're, we're Probably the next 60 days, you guys will be able to watch us in Ireland. Okay. Uh, so I'm working on that right now. And practically all over the world where you can download the app and, and, and catch us. Uh, but we got the next up-and-coming superstars of the sport, right? We want the, we want the young Conor McGregors. We want the, the young up-and-coming superstars and grow them and give them an opportunity to go to UFC. Uh, but also, too, um, I've been around this business for 17 years. Back when I started training with Randy Couture and Tito Ortiz and these guys, and I just I fell in love with the sport. I didn't think I was gonna it was gonna be lights out extreme fighting one day, but I knew that I wanted to be in the combat sports live TV business. And so with lights out extreme fighting, we're growing so fast and looking at distribution all over the world now. That's gonna be it. If we get that link, we'll put it in the bio for people watching as well. When you uh, obviously look at an NFL crowd or an American football audience, an actual uh, game day experience versus a boxing fight, what do you think like the difference <laughs> of going to a game or going to an event is for the fan? Well, they, you punch somebody in face of football you get fined for that yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, believe it or not there's a lot of crossover in combat sports and in a, the football fan um, because I think the adrenaline rush and the physicality and people loving that the, the bruteness of it right the fighting the MMA stuff and then uh, then the football NFL stuff and it's, the skill yeah and, and it's and it's pro probably why we've grown so fast because I get an opportunity to do this on Radio Row we're talking lights out extreme fighting, right? And so for us, it just helps the, the platform grow. It, it helps bring some new eyeballs to the sport of MMA. And that's that's a big part of the, the growth that we've had over the last year and a half. So there's there's crossover in terms of fans, but there's also some crossover in, in terms of talent, like an NFL player transitioning maybe to being a fighter. Yeah. Um, particularly pass rushers seems to be a trend. Is, is there a lot of pass rush technique big, to translate? Big time. We, we got a, uh, on this card coming up next weekend, we got a AJ Hodgkins. He played linebacker at Oregon. Okay. And so, you know, he's he's one. We have, you know, some guys coming up, but he actually was really good at Oregon. Mm -hmm. Played with Justin Herbert, actually. Played, you know, I think around the same time. So um, he's fighting this car. But we're having more and more former athletes saying, you know what, man, not only can I do this, but I can make some real money here. Mm -hmm. You know, when I retired in 2012, 2013, they wasn't paying guys like they are now, right? The, the celebrity, the athlete, the big name. I went to him and I, I said how much money I wanted. They looked at me like I was crazy. They said, get out of here. That's way too much. And now it's a, it's a layup for a former athlete or celebrity to go and have these big fights. We've got one more thing, little card. You've got a fight before for we me. Let you go. We've got a card game. But very quickly before we do that, who's going to win on Sunday? Niners. Just... My, my heart is telling me the 49ers. But my brain is telling me the Chiefs. He literally said the exact same words. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody this morning on the podcast. It, it's, you know, because you know the 49ers have the better team. Mm. But the Ravens were better than KC. 
So when you get in these situations, sometimes it's just about the team to make the less amount of mistakes. And that's what the Chiefs do. They, they capitalize off of another team making mistakes, and that's why I think ultimately they'll end up winning this game. If you could please pick a card, Sean. Okay. <laughs> it's not a magic Don't trick. Don't worry, Sean, it's gone. Okay. Uh, there's a question on there, so if you just read it out and, and give us your answer. Okay. More, More yards. yards. Royce or, or Samuel, Debo Samuel? Oh, I'm going with Debo. Debo. Oh. Yeah, I'm going with Debo because you know what? He doesn't have to just catch the ball. He can run. He can hybrid. He's a hybrid. He, he's going to catch a lot of screens. Uh, some you reverses. Found a hole in Jason's question, so you did. I just, I just wanted to make sure I was right. That's all. <laughs> Sean, I, I can imagine the future where we're in Merriman's pub in the west of Ireland somewhere. You walk him over anytime, as we say in Ireland. Streaming the fight. Yeah, streaming the fight. Bring the fight to Ireland. Go be Moggett. Thank you so much. We'll chat to you soon. Enjoy Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl and all the very, very best over the next few weeks and months for your adventures. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Sean Merriman, Pro Football Ireland Live from Radio Row Las Vegas, Nevada in the Mandalay Bay. Not for Sean Perryman, as I thought we were having all week. And I was like, oh, it's Sean Merriman. <laughs> also and wasted some time making some notes there. Right? <laughs> I, like, whenever he started home at the bar, I started thinking, Merriman's. I'd love some Merriman's. Merriman's. Anyway, uh, to round off, we're going to have a bit of a chat about a dynasty that discussion we're going to talk Has about non-QB MVP we're going to get some questions and we're going to get out of here because we're going to go see my hero in 20 minutes Jim Nance I said that very dramatically uh, anyway Dynasty I'll just say it like I'm, a, like I'm a fan of a team in the AFC West that isn't the Chiefs they are a Dynasty they're incredible the fact that we've got them this many Super Bowls already is sensational they're going to be the first team arguably if they win this Sunday since not arguably it's a fact if they win this Sunday since the Patriots back many moons ago to repeat it doesn't matter if they win or lose or a dynasty because they're just that good and they'll be back to at least another five in Mahomes' career in my opinion that's a big statement Jason well in terms of how you know how long this dynasty will last because they are already a dynasty they've established it over the last six, six years six straight AFC title games the Super Bowl wins that's a dynasty and the question now is when it ends yeah and I think you know, the common answer you'll see said is as long as Mahomes is on the team, they'll have a, a chance, which they will. But I think there's a lot more goes into it than just Mahomes because we've seen some great quarterbacks over the years not experience that dynasty. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers made one Super Bowl, won it, hasn't been back. Josh Allen is a very talented quarterback. He's only made one championship game. Took guys like Manning, Elway a long time to, to, re to reach that... Um, to get those rings in their careers Dan Marino made a Super Bowl in the second season never made it back these are some of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league but there's so much that's also out of their hands uh, so much goes into it so it's not just Patrick Mahomes you know even if you look at his stats across the three Super Bowls he's been in passer rating is below 80 700 yards five touchdowns four interceptions across those three games he's not been the reason they've won all these Super Bowls he's contributed a big part of it don't get me wrong and you need a quarterback like him to have a chance but you also need the structure around him and the Chiefs have found their way into this perfect organisational structure yeah, and then look at what happened the last time someone found their way into the perfect organisation and the dynasty lasted for 18 years and 9 Super Bowls and that's what the Patriots had I mean, that's, that's the obvious comparison yeah that's the last team but I have left. to ask you guys so Patriots can we call these the, uh, the dynasties the Patriots obviously the Patriots that we know of yeah. the 49ers under Bill Walsh 
we're going to say the Cowboys in the 90s. The Steelers are in there as well, obviously, uh, in the 70s. But to, to be honest, I'm not as right up in them. Because the point that I want to make here is what happened at the end of the dynasties for the Patriots and uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys? What eventually was the problem for? It was for? a fallout. It was ownership. It was yeah. the, and it was in the term for New England, it was that obviously it was Bill there, but they thought that they could proceed without Tom Brady. And there was a bit like Robert Kraft, obviously, his proud man, and he wanted to show I can also, you know, make the right decisions. The same thing with Jerry Jones, he wanted more um, acknowledgement from yeah. uh, Jimmy Johnson, and he didn't get it, and he said, Anyone, he said, anyone on the planet Earth could go and get some. So he went and got Barry Switzer, who wasn't a popular hire at the time. Barry Switzer ended up winning a Super Bowl, but the problem then was that he wasn't able to keep the long-term success going because, like, he just let everyone run riot. When we look at a good Super Bowl or a, a good franchise, then you can say Bill Walsh was given complete autonomy underneath um, Bartello at the time for this uh, for the, the 49ers. And that's what I think is going in the Chiefs' favour, that we saw Hunt yesterday, Clark Hunt, the owner. He is happy to be in the background. He shows up, he has the whole family here. They take such great pride in it. We didn't see Jed York, actually, I don't think. I'm not sure if he was there. Yeah, we didn't see him. It, is, it means so much to the family, but they also let Patrick Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid and everyone have all the credit. You never see that family take credit. They're very happy to be involved in this. That's what, that's what an owner should do you know put the guys in place and then trust them to do the job that you're asking them to do good ownership yeah. and the ownership you hear more about are the owners that don't do that you know there's countless storylines coming out have, in recent years when you have them all in place like they have all the pieces in place I mean like look at other like we know some of them but like if you start like naming them like the Patriots and the the Patriots and Cowboys everyone knows who owns those teams but it's like yeah the Detroit Lions you know owns them it's like some people might know oh yeah it's part of the Ford family but like the McNairs in Houston like not everyone is known like and that's the thing it's good to not know who the owner is Michael Bidwell people are starting to know he, David Tepper people are saying well, that's Carolina the he is like he's, he's, he's uh, meddling meddling um, ju- just to sort of add to that initial point you had you know Andy Reid will be around forever I'd be intrigued to see what that Chiefs team is like behind Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes on their side, yeah. which is going to happen in his yeah. career. Yeah. Um, and they're saying it could be after this one, you know, there's not, like, it's just, maybe it's just a talking point on I think I, I think if, if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, I, I think he should retire. Yeah. Like, what more can you do? Unless it's, a ca- you it's a cash cow if I'm him. I'm, I'm taking every record <laughs> I can Well, get. here, I tell you what, I wouldn't mess with his wife after meeting her in Frankfurt. Yeah. So 1-4 <laughs> in the playoffs before Mahomes. He's 13-3 and three since 2018 with Mahomes. It does go to show... Obviously, he did have success with the Eagles. I'm not saying that he's a, he benefits completely, but it's like he's benefited to some portion of having Yeah, and another b- very important factor, I think, that plays to the Chiefs' favour here is that they've got Spags on defence running that unit very effectively, and he's not getting any head coaching interviews at the moment. You know, he's just a rock-solid, reliable defensive coordinator. You're seeing a lot of these younger coaches around the league. Their staff's getting picked apart each offseason. But as long as you've read at head coach, you know, he's 65 years old, maybe he will have had enough, but yeah. he's definitely got more in the tank if he, if he wants. Hopefully he does. He's, he's great, great to watch. He's great to see how his, how his teams develop year on year. So and when you keep, yeah, and, and when you match that then with the defensive guy and they're stable, you know, they're not running through coaches every offseason like some of the teams, it all works its way to, to some long-term success. And I think the dynasty is here for another decade, perhaps. Let's, uh, let's jump on to our non-QB MVPs. We get some week. questions, maybe first, and then finish off on that. Uh, yeah, let's so see. Rory Fitzgerald, which team will dominate the clock time and have more ball time? The Niners, Rory. 
Yeah, that's a great question. That's the key to the game for me. Whichever team gets out to that lead is um, th th that's what it's all about. Time of possession, establishing the running game. Um, that's the key to, but, key uh, to win. It obviously doesn't matter because look what happened with Buffalo. They had an insane time of possession, and they still like it was an astronomical. Yeah, there you go. They like having the time of possession. Uh, we've seen this for years with Kansas City. Obviously, that Buffalo Bills game is going to go down in history, but. When it comes to the Chiefs, I don't know if it's as important to beat them in the time of possession. They well, timely turnovers as well is what helped mm. them there. You know, Ravens were keeping the ball for five-minute-plus drives, and uh, if it ends in a turnover on the one-yard line, then that's, a, that's another game-changer. Time of possession turnovers really go hand-in-hand, hand, don't they? Indeed. Uh, John Murray, what guests have you planned for today or hope to get on? Started with some cracking guests yesterday. Um, yeah, just planning to have as many people as possible. And, and you know what? It's it's not a question that we want to skirt around, but it's like they can change. We've already yeah, had like, some guests change, so it's like hopefully over the course of the whole week. Just keeps going. But it's like there's no point getting people excited, but like we, we definitely have some. Like I kind of want to say a few names because it's gossip, whatever, but I mean, just stay tuned, hopefully. And sorry to that we can't give it. Keep the relaxed, relaxed, yeah, relaxed, relaxed for that. Really appreciate you watching as well, man. David Jackson, more of a statement. Just excellent coverage. Really enjoying it, lads. Is Sean an actual giant? Yes, his oh, neck is man. the size of Toronto. Yeah. Aaron Donald's neck. No, yeah. for real. Did you see how scooted over we were in this bench? <laughs> uh, oh, he, could, he could let me punch him about 10 times and he won't even feel it. JJ Watt was, was even machine. bigger. JJ Watt shouldn't be JJ wearing shoulder pads. JJ Watt's just a, a, a superman in, oh, in person. Um, Fred Flunk, give me three reasons why Kansas City will win. Oh, win, because the run game is probably like it is in their favour I actually asked Isaiah Pacheco about it yesterday he completely pure answered me like with use as I like, did not put it out but uh, that run game is obviously there is there going to be a focus on Rashi Rice uh, and how is that going to open up the rest of the game and I think that that gives it to Travis Kelsey if we want to bring in our MVP picks here maybe I'll say that I think that the um, and I'll talk about it more in depth in a second but I do think that uh, Rashi Rice is going to take a lot more of the emphasis so that it should open up the game and then of course that defence we talked about it yesterday is going to be massive like they absolutely have the power to stop the 49ers they're built as, which is insane because there's so much talent let's look at this final segment then non-QB MVP for the Chiefs if they win the Super Bowl on Sunday uh, I'm going to say Rashi Rice uh, Rashi Rice has really filled that gap where many analysts and fans last season were giving off about how little offensive weapons or how sort of dysfunctional the Chiefs really were on the offense we've seen going into the postseason last year and down the stretch in the, in the regular season the Sky Moore was very very efficient in his rookie season for the Chiefs not so much so this year but we've seen what Rashi Rice can do his performance in the postseason has been really really impressive and it's clear that while Kelsey is the main threat for this team Rashi Rice in games in the postseason has outperformed him look at that Miami game over 140 yards in that game got a touchdown as well in that game I think Rashi Rice is going to be key to this game on Sunday if he gets anywhere between two to three passing touchdowns I don't think he will but if a situation arose where Mahomes and Rice contributed you could look at a situation where he could be a non-QB MVP the problem with the Super Bowl from the Europeans perspective is he'll never win MVP because if he gets three touchdowns Paddy Mahomes will who you got lads I'll, I'll, I'll go on the defensive side and I mentioned Chris Jones uh, just a phenomenal player who probably doesn't even get talked about enough even yesterday at opening night his podium is nowhere near as, as busy as some of the other uh, stars in that team uh, stalwarts of that Chiefs dynasty are always mentioned as being Mahomes and Kelsey but yeah. Chris Jones has been there just as long he was drafted the year before Mahomes uh, uh, and she's 15.5 sacks last year uh, in 2022 that is 
you think that would translate to a market setting contract but it wasn't to be um, and he you know he gambled on himself this year a lot of incentives in this one year contract that he's backed it up absolutely he's knocked them all off uh, and I think he'll carry that through to the Super Bowl and yeah whatever contract he didn't get last year I can see him getting this year um, with, with whatever team that may be it's going to be one thing we talked about yesterday Mark the fact that there's been no defensive MVP since the Broncos beat the Panthers and Von Miller who have you got yeah, and that's why uh, Tarverius Ward, I think, is crucial to this game, crucial to this game. But I don't think that he can win it because it means that if he's a lockdown, they're going to stop throwing to him. Uh, so that's what, um, So I'm actually going to point out the obvious one because we have to talk about the Travis Kelsey story. First of all, the, he's 70 to 1 the last time I checked, and everyone's talking about like if he were to win it. You know, the whole, oh, what do you propose to Taylor suit? All of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Ignore it. I, w- I do wonder if he did have a phenomenal game and it was kind of touch and go, would it actually put off beat writers? Are people going to, you know, vote with their feet here and say, no, I've not enjoyed the Taylor? Because, you know, it's the most cynical it seemed to be a lot of the, the writers that have the casting vote in the MVP. But um, I do think that he plays hard because he has won Super Bowls before. And if I'm in the Super Bowl now, and I want to make it something different for myself. It is that he does have this partner now. And I want her to experience all the fun of it that goes along. It's a different experience for him from that point of view. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if I've just met my partner for the first time and I've won, I, I, I want to show you what it's like to win a Super Bowl. So I ball hard. But it's also that for the reasons, for the actual football well, reasons. He wants to win it, yeah. Like. I think, no, he wants to win yeah. it. But that's the, the drive. That, that's the feel for him. And obviously, it's been important, it seems, this year for him. Because, we, you know, that whole narrative he plays when he's around. But he um, he does with the focus, and I don't want to harp on what I said yesterday. But that's what I mentioned with Fred. I think they have to be focusing the 49ers defense. They have been putrid at the run defense, so I think they have to be focusing on that now this week, which is an awful position to be in when you're facing Patrick Mahomes. I purposely meant to get a, or did get a question in with Rashi Rice because it's going to be cool. I think because I think he's going to have a massive game. I don't want to say I was talking to him only the other day, but if they do focus on Isaiah Pacheco, they do focus on Rashi Rice. I think that Travis Kelsey can have an a or can have a, a big game, and with such a name, and if you're a beat writer at the end of it, you could put it down. If That's our non. Drop the mic. Too. Drop the mic. <laughs> if he if he, if he does if the Chiefs do win and he wins MVP like he's. He's got the girl. He's got to, to ring. He's got a. He's got a. He's got seven right? months off. He's, he's got to walk year away. Month, it? <laughs> <laughs> it, like, like, it could be his last game. Genuinely. I, I, I think he. You know. What, what do I know? I think if it's. I think if the way. I think Kelsey. What was the now. question earlier on from Aaron about Travis Kelsey? Did uh, that answer it? Ah, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> Hopefully it did. Uh, one final question, Peter Hogan. Any Pat McAfee in the V lineup? Oh, do you see him over our shoulder, Pat? Right down there tomorrow morning. There's a rumor that, uh, that that Mr. Michael McQuay got his number. No, it's, it's Connor Mangan. Connor's texting this morning. <laughs> oh my god! So imagine, imagine he's working. Imagine the Hi. position to be in to be texting Pat, uh, Pat McAfee on his personal phone number. He has to get a new phone now today. That's where he's going. I am just. I, I love how he's landed in, in the Italian ninety. Or is that USA or Italian ninety? Can't see. I can see. Con- Connor it's is. Green, anyway. If you listen to the um, the podcast with Michael on a Sunday, Connor Mangan has just arrived literally in the last few minutes. <laughs> And is wearing an orange shirt. And tonight is going to be interesting. Oh, and we need to give him a heads up that he's after taking a few pictures out with his credentials. Oh, we need okay. to get off. I told him already. I, I told him already. Anyway, very quickly, uh, media party tonight. So if there's no live show tomorrow, you know why. Oh, From the Formula One paddock. We should be back at around 10 p.m. tomorrow, Irish time. Might fluctuate a little bit, depending on guests, etc. Just keep us uh, on socials. Your best bet for that is X. Just put the notifications on. 
We'll chat to you soon. Any, any, any final words? No? Just good luck. Oh, okay. there you go. No, Roll on thanks tonight. everyone for Roll listening on tonight. Again. And I can't wait to go. Thanks just, for the questions, of course. Thanks for the questions, folks. Thanks for continuing to watch. Thank you so much for interacting with TikTok, Instagram, X. Pro Football Ireland from Radio Road Day 2 is done. Get some sleep. We'll see you in the morning. Grab me a mug and snuggle